We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew. Matthew, chapter 24. The last week we talked about the seven dispensations, and I know I went through it pretty fast, and I got complaints about it, and I got rebuked about it, and people were telling me, I couldn't catch up, I couldn't follow you, I couldn't. But the reason I went through it so quickly is that we don't want to hang on and do a few lessons on, on that because when we go through what we're going to go through in the next few weeks, in the different in Matthew and Luke and different places, Jesus refers back to these dispensations, and so He ties what's going to happen to these dispensations. And so there's a reason G- Jesus didn't do that to do things off the cuff. There, there is a reason that they're tied to those dispensations. And so as we go through these things and we get to those places, we're going to jump back to those different dispensations of time and look at what Jesus said about it and then look into that dispensation again and see what's going on and then why Jesus tied it, why, why he tied those things. Because, uh, again, he wasn't haphazard about it. He purposely did it so that we would understand one of the reasons people misinterpret things is that they don't understand the things of old. You know, it's been said, if you, if you want to know where a person's headed, look where they came from. And it's the same thing with us. If you want to know where we're headed, look where we came from. It's very simple. Okay, we're in Matthew chapter 24, so just kind of hang with me there. Uh, again, talking about the dispensations times, uh, we're going to reference them several times when we get to them, but in Matthew 24, you won't see it as much, but as we go through these lessons, I'm not sure how long this is going to last, just so you know. Uh, not tonight. <laughs> so I'm, like, I'm not staying here at midnight. No, not tonight, but through the series of time and weeks. Uh, Matthew 24 is the chapter in Matthew that's most often referred to when discussing end times. You hear that, but there's something odd about that. There's something unique about it because, well, let's get it, I don't want to, we're going to take a look at this chapter verse by verse, and we're going to examine it in its context. This chapter contains the prediction of the destruction of Jerusalem as well as the temple that was there. And so it kind of begins with that, and then Jesus goes off into a litany of things. So the following verses are Jesus' answer uh, to the disciples' question. When we start reading, the disciples are going to ask a question. And so the, the verses that we're going to study and go through tonight are Jesus' answer to what they ask. And here's the thing. Keep this in mind. The disciples of that day are no different than us today, and we're no different than them. We kind of want the information now, and we kind of want to know exactly when this is going to happen, and that's going to happen. They were quite sure that it was going to happen in a week or two or a month maybe. They didn't know it was going to be a couple of thousand years later, and still everything hasn't happened. We have to understand this, that when Jesus gave reference to things, and as we're going through this, keep this in mind, it's not a bang, bang, bang thing. Things bleed over in one to another. Issues bleed over one to another. Things that happen bleed over one to another. And they happen in a series of years, because let's be honest, it's been two th- over 2,000 years since Jesus made these statements. But things have bled over from, and we'll, we'll talk about those things tonight. So, again, we know we want the answers and we want all those things, but understand these things have to, they have to come together and they have to mesh together. You know, the disciples wanted to loop all these things together, kind of much like we want to. So we're going to go 
Look into this and look at it close. So let's read verse 1, Matthew 24. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. Let me read that again because that makes no sense. Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. When you look at that, wait a minute. <laughs> he just left. What? There's a whole, Jesus was going out of the temple. It's, it's a place he frequented quite often. He would go there to pray. He would go there to teach. Uh, and this will be his last visit to the temple. And th- this is important. This will be his last visit. He will not visit the temple again. It's, it's about to change and be over for him. Now, I'm going to reference Josephus. Do you all know who Josephus is? Everybody, if you don't, Josephus was a, was a, in the first century of the church was a historical uh, figure. He he actually recorded history. Josephus was born in 37 A.D. and he died in 100 A.D. The first 40 years of his life, he was born in Jerusalem. His mother was like somebody highly regarded uh, in, in the Judaistic points of view, but. A lot of pressure was put on him because of what was going on in Jerusalem between Rome. And Rome finally came to him and said, listen, we're going to put you in prison. He kind of makes a deal with, with Roman authorities. And he's, he, he, does, he switches from being a Jerusalemite to a Romanite. Does that make sense? He does that for several reasons, but it's all the concourse of time. It's all the reasoning of time and him recording history. Because of that, he was actually able to be in places and record actual history that's history that's outside of what's in the Bible. But it's history that matches directly with the Bible. And so we have a historical event. You know, people say, oh, there's nothing historical about the Bible and there's nothing proof. Josephus. His, his, his historical facts and things that happened. So I'll reference him quite a bit. Quite a bit. Uh, Josephus said this about the temple. This, this is uh, important to understand about the temple because the end times have to do with the temple. So here's, he, he said that the temple, the stones were made of a white, uh, uh, whitish color marble. He said in, in the temple, well, let me say this, the temple was the most elaborate, impressive building in all of Jerusalem. It, it stood out above all things in Jerusalem. Uh, he said the walls were 50 feet long, 24 feet broad, and 16 feet thick. Okay, the marble, 60, you know, we put marble on our countertops, and we think, man, 16 feet thick. The Jews, in their historical uh, value of it, say the temple was built of a white and green spotted marble. Uh, and again, the, the most beautiful, the most elaborate uh, structure. And so... Jesus just comes out of the structure, and the disciples say, hey, we want to talk to you about these temple, these temple buildings. So keep in mind, the temple, when you think of the temple, you think of a building, don't you? There were several buildings. The temple was several buildings fit together that made, made this temple complex. And so that's what they were going to talk about. So verse 2, and Jesus said unto them, see ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. So when we look at verse 2, he, he kind of surprises and he kind of just throws it in their face. Jesus was good about that. He, he didn't mince words. It's like he did with Nicodemus. Nicodemus was kind of going around the circle, and he said, listen, you've you, you got to be born again. He went right to the, So he's going directly to the disciples here. So this seems to be, when you look at it, the last words Jesus is going to ever speak from the temple. As he's walking out, last things he ever says from the temple. Everything else is outside of the temple. He's never going to re-enter the temple again. He and his disciples now go to Mount Olivet, the Mount of Olives, where uh, 
the Mount of Olives, you can see the entire city of Jerusalem, and you can really see the temple. You, it really stuck out. And so here they are on the Mount of Olives, and this is where Jesus starts having his conversation with them. Uh, as he's having this conversation, in about 40 years from the point he's having this conversation, this temple in Jerusalem, they're all going to be destroyed. They're going to be torn down. Titus, the Roman uh, general, is going to come in with his armies. He's, he's been declared uh, by Roman rule to just destroy the city because of what's going on. And so it, Titus does that. I mean, they, they go in and, and block by block, brick by brick, stone by stone, tear the whole thing down. They tear the temple down, and they bring in sea salt, and they put sea salt on the ground as they turn the ground with plows. They t- that's total destruction. That's what's going to happen in about 40 years. This is what Jesus is telling them. Uh, the temple was destroyed. Why? Is it because Jesus said it would? Yes. It's because he said it would. But there's a reason Jesus said it would be destroyed. Uh, number one, it was because of the sins of the Jews. This temple is going to be destroyed because they reject Jesus as Messiah. Uh, it's, also, it's also somewhat, if you want to call this a blessing, it's also to take away Judaism from the Jews. They're practicing Judaism, and when Jesus comes on the scene, and he is now, uh, when he becomes the lamb for slain or slain, Judaism is no, no, no longer needed. There's no, there's no purpose in it. So one of the reasons the temple's taken away, you don't need the temple anymore. The Bible says that Jesus is that temple. He's that temple. And then we become the, when we receive the Holy Ghost into our life, we become the temple of the Holy Ghost. So you see the purpose of the destruction of the temple, to get rid of it. And then the show, now the ancient sacrifices that have been, they're all abolished. They mean they're done. They're done away with. Uh, and it brings this Jewish economy. Economy is not just money. The whole Jewish economy, living and all of the structures and all of, the, all of that stuff, does away with it. It's the end of it. And this is the introduction of grace and church when this happens, this is, this is when grace and the church age begins to be introduced. It's, that's why Jesus told them in, in, in Acts chapter 1, go wait in Jerusalem, you'll be empowered. All of this, all this is happening, and remember, this is not bam, bam, bam. This flows together. Jesus lived in what testament? That's the question. Jesus lived in what testament? The Old Testament. Because he is the New Testament. So until he dies, buried and resurrected, it's still Old Testament. Once he, that happens and he's resurrected, then, then the New Testament's coming along. But remember, it's not bam, bam, bam. Things have to happen. So let's look at verse 3. If you have a question or if you say stop, you're too fast or whatever, do that. Or if you have a... You, They, they didn't understand Jesus was talking about himself. They're looking around and said, man, there's no way. These walls are 16 feet thick, f- 50 feet long. They're brought, you know, there's no way. They didn't understand what he was saying about exactly. And you think, verse 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, what shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Now, there appears to be three separate questions here, doesn't it? 
What shall these signs, what, what's the question? What shall these signs be? What are they asking him? They're asking him about what? The destruction of the temple. When you start talking, they're saying, well, what, what's going on here? What, so there, there are pre, appears to be three different questions. So let's just keep looking here. Verse 4, and Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you. So Jesus' first response is, is a response that rings caution. So when he's talking about end times, when we're talking, and, and again, remember we talked about this before. There, there's the, the last days and the end times. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. That happened on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. That was the beginning of the last days. And again, that wasn't bam. It was this, this mesh of when Jesus ascended and they waited and all the, this, this began to flow. But there's an end times where it's the end of times. And so that's why you're going to find three separate questions here. What, 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 what's, going to, what's the signs of these ha- happening? What's the signs of thy coming? Jesus was there. What, what are you talking about? He, he didn't say anything else here about him coming again, did he? So, so there's a reference here. We'll, we'll, we'll get, I just want to get your minds to start clicking about this to see how this conversation was going down. So he said, listen, they're, they're don't let any man deceive you. That's kind of odd to start with that particular statement. But the world has always been full of deceivers. Always. There's always been those that want to deceive. It's what the devil did in the beginning, and he's been operating in deception ever since. And so Jesus knows that, hey, if this 2,000 years later, this is going to stick, don't let anybody deceive you because there are those out there. From this verse to verse 31, Jesus addresses this first question. So we're going to go through this. So, for, so, so yeah. the first sign of these happenings is false Christ. Let's verse five. For many shall come in my name, saying, "I am Christ," and shall deceive many. Christ is not a name. You know, my parents prayed, love them. Not, not putting my parents down or anything, but they often prayed in Christ's name. Was that Antichrist? Uh, Bar Jesus Christ, or well, Christ is not a name; it's a title. There are going to be many Christs. What is Christ? What does Christ mean? Say again. Anointed. There's going to be many that come and say, "I'm the anointed." Now that makes sense today, doesn't it? When you start thinking about these wackos that have come along and they're, "I'm the anointed." He said, there's going to be many, many false Christs. Josephus says there were many who during this time, and remember, Josephus is recording, this is after Jesus' death, but his, most of his recording is things that happened after Jesus had gone and what happened in the church age. So uh, he said there were many in his, in his historical uh, value that pretended to have divine inspiration. Uh, the people he spoke of deceived many people, leading large numbers, large numbers of people into the desert, pretending he was going to show that one of the deceivers said, I'm going to show you the liberty of God and how God's going to set you free from the Roman Empire. And at the same time, there's an Egyptian false prophet who comes along, takes 30,000 men into the desert. And they're almost cut off from society uh, had it not been for Felix. You've read about Felix in, in Acts. So y- y'all don't get bored with me. I've got to give you some history here. 
so that we understand where Jesus is headed here with this. So Josephus mentions Simon Magus. If you look in Acts chapter 8, you remember the Simon the sorcerer? In Josephus, it's his Simon Magus is his name. It's the same guy. And so he, the, he persuades the people of Samaria that he has this great power of God. Remember in Acts chapter how he has this great, he even boasted he was the son of God that Josephus said. So here's somebody that's boasting they're the son of God. So here we have these deceivers. Uh, Dositheus, a, a Samaritan, pretends to be the Christ foretold by Moses. If you go back to Moses' writing, you find that there's a foretelling of Messiah. And so this guy, Dositheus, he, he claims to be that. Twelve years after the death of Jesus, this Cuspus Fatus was a, a procurator. Now, a procurator is one that does affairs for other people. And in those days, a procurator was, a, for the Romans, they either went and they, they were a financial procurator or they actually stood for law. I mean, they would stand, in other words, if I was in a certain, uh, let's say I was in Samaria and they were a Roman procurator and I had an issue with law, they would go to the law, like a lawyer, they would go and they would go between Rome and me and then they would make a decision uh, for Rome every time. <laughs> That's how they worked. They, they didn't make the decision for you. But they were put in place by the powers that be to keep control of people financially, law-wise, all those things. So this particular man, this, this Cuspius Fetus, he was the procurator of Judea. Now, what, why is that significant? That's the area where the church started. And so, uh, and a man named uh, Theodos, he, he proclaimed himself as the prophet of God. And again, he gets this great number of people, takes them to the River Jordan, and there, when he gets to the River Jordan, you know, he, he deceives many by saying he's the Christ. Because you find these things or principles that happen, or things that happen in Jesus' life, or there are things that happen, there are prophecies and those type of things. And so what deceivers do is they will take partials, partial pieces of God's Word and proclaim themselves as God's person. And, and Jesus is saying, be careful because it's going to go on until the end time. This is going to go on. Uh, and under the, you know, right, most of us know who Nero Remember that guy? Felix, the procurator of Judea, uh, said there were impostors of this kind so frequent that just about every day they killed one or one or more. There were so many people coming to say they were, you know, we think of Jesus, you know, people, well, you're not him. There were so many. In Jesus' day, Josephus says, in the day that Jesus walked the earth, there was 27 guys at the same time walking around Jerusalem saying they were Messiah. You understand then why the people had all this. There's a lot going on here, and this thing just grew from there. So Jesus was just reminding them, hey, there's going to be those that are going to say they're me. They're not. So false Christ arose in that day, continued ever since. Anyone, listen, anyone, let me throw this out, anyone placing themselves or their organization to where they are the absolver of sins, they're a false Christ. Let me say this again. If anyone or any organization places themselves as the absolver. We have organizations that claim to be Christian that you go to a man and they absolve your sin. That's false Christ. Now, there's going to be something here this maybe, and they're going to hammer me for it. I'm not going to call their name. You can figure it out. But when you have to go to a man to have your sins absolved. When you have to confess your sins to a man, that's false Christ. That's false Christ. That's anti-Christ. Jesus said, beware of this.
Let's read verse 6. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, and see that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. The first thing to keep in mind here is Jesus is talking to them about the signs of the what this means, the signs of the end, all these things. We understand through Scripture that Jerusalem is considered the center of the universe as far as God's concerned, Jerusalem. And so the things he's talking to them about will affect Jerusalem first. They're going to happen to Jerusalem first. Now, there's a lot of people that say this. There, there, there's some groups in Christianity that say, well, all of this deal about end times and antichrist, that's already all happened. That's already all happened. Because they use Matthew 24. And the problem with that is that, that that's, a, that's Matthew's, what Matthew heard and saw and listened and wrote down. Not that Matthew's wrong, but they depict it as something that's already happened because we know that 70 A.D., Jerusalem's overthrown. We know there's, we'll talk about these things. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about these things. But understand this. This is the beginning of sorrows, Jesus says. This is the beginning of sorrows. Sorrows will go all the way till Jesus comes again. We, we live in the sorrows. We live in those things. So, wars and rumors of wars. We think about us fighting Afghanistan or you know, Russia fighting the, this or that person, but Jesus is speaking first directly to Jerusalem. And if you don't understand that about this Scripture, then you get confused about everything else. So understand, He's speaking to His people directly. There's a reason for it. Josephus, in his uh, historical uh, value of it, describes wars on his historical account, many happening at the same time. I understand that wars were going on at that time. And after Jesus, wars continue. Wars and rumors of wars is not an end times thing. It was going on when Jesus, let, let me show you something here. It was happening at every given moment. He describes the war. Any of you ever heard of Caligula? Caligula. Okay. Emperor of Rome. Okay. He describes the, that when Calig Caligula has decided that he wants his statue put up in the temple. And uh, the Jews said, mm-mm. So that, that was, they never went to war, but that was a rumor of war. That was a rumor. So there's wars and rumors of war. So that one thing, that was a rumor. We know that war was constant in the era that Rome sought to conquer the entire world. In the time of Jesus' day, even though there was a peaceful time in Rome, Rome was constant in war. Not only that, Israel was constant. Here, here's some interesting things that we find out about Israel. Uh, let's look at verse 7. For a nation shall rise against nation kingdom against kingdom, there should be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in divers places. And I'm, I promise you I'm going to stay on time this. If I have to stop and we don't get through this lesson, we'll pick it up next week. I won't do over like I did last time. Nations rising against nations. That was brought about, that it brought dissension, insurrection, and then the actual slaughter of the Jews, particularly at Caesarea. When Jesus speaks about this, things happen Shortly thereafter, in Caesarea, it's where the Jews and the Syrians, they, they, each one was contending, this is our city. No, this is our city. No, this is our city. And it brought them to war where they were fighting one another, this, the Syrians and the Jews. Because of that, 20,000 
Jews lost their life over that particular war, the very fact that they were fighting. Again, wars and rumors of wars, it's, it's not a, okay, well, there's been a few wars back in history in this war, but now there's been a lot of wars all the time, and so that's, what, that's not what Jesus is referring to here. He's referring to his day because this is going to continue on through, but when we, go, when we get into dispensationalism again and we look at the dispensations, we'll understand why he was saying what he was saying about the wars of Israel because we understand Jesus lived in the Old Testament, and so the Old Testament church was Israel. In the New Testament, the Scripture tells us that the New Testament church is Israel. So God sees you and me just like he saw the people of Israel back in the Old Testament. You understand that. It's going to be important as we go through this that you're going to see the shift, the dynamic shift between Old and New Testament and the grace age and the church age. You're going to see this shift. Maybe not tonight. but So as a result, because of that war between the Syrians and the Jews, 20,000 people's lives lost, the Jews began to plunder neighboring cities and villages and all that. So the Syrians then slaughtered another 15,000 Jews. Now I'm giving you a little history here so you understand Wars and rumors of wars were going on right then, right then. In Alexandria, 50,000 Jews were killed because of the war in Alexandria, 50,000. It goes on and on and on. Remember the words of the violent crowd as Jesus stood before them? Crucify him, crucify him. Let his blood be on us and our children. You remember those words? The wars that I just told you about? And look what's happened through history. Whenever wars crop up, the Jews are always slaughtered. Why is that? Crucify Him. You understand, the temple change is starting to happen here. The temple change is starting because Jesus came as the starting to happen. Kingdom against kingdom, it says here. The Jews and the Galileans fought against the Sumerians because of some Galileans that, that were murdered going to the feast in Jerusalem. I'm just going to throw a, All of the Jewish nations fought against the Romans and King Agrippa. All of the Jewish nation fought against Rome and King Agrippa. There was civil war in Italy where Otha and Vitellius were contending for the empire. Who, who wants to be the boss now? And all This is going to... So, Wars and rumors of wars, sometimes the wars had nothing to do with the Jews. Sometimes it had to do with, again, I hope, I hope I'm not overstating or over, but th- these are things, if you're not writing them down, just stick them in your head because as we go through this, you're going to see, I never thought of that. I never saw that. I never, now this makes sense. Have you ever read these things and said, this doesn't make sense? There's a reason it doesn't make sense. It's not because it's confused. It's because we're confused. When we see what it is for what it is, then it all makes sense. Okay. In Acts 11, 28, Agabus foretold the famine during Claudius Caesar's reign. In the book, Josephus said that particular famine was so severe, thousands and thousands and thousands of people lost their life just because there was no food. No food. Pestilence, you know, this, this is that, when you see famines, pestilences and famines kind of go together. What, what's pestilence? Diseases and insects and 
all kinds of this stuff, they kind of go together. You see this happen because, you know, you want to see a food source wiped out, just watch the locusts, the grasshoppers. They'll wipe it out. Watch the worms. They'll wipe it out. So these two kind of go together when, when you see them. Uh, so anything come to mind, famulins and pestilence in modern day? Every year we hear about this in different countries. Every year. But it, didn't, it just didn't start in our generation. I, I'm trying to get you all to understand that, you know what, uh, we're not the center of the universe. It's, it's not about our generation. It started with his generation. But now it's increased and it's now now that we understand that, understand this, that it increases every generation. At some point, God looked at the earth and said, that's enough. I, I repent that I have made man. I'm going to destroy him. There is a point where God says that's enough. At some point, he looked at Sodom and Gomorrah and he said, that's enough. That stuff had been going on for years, but that's enough. I'm wiping them out. Understand, there's a generation that God says, that's enough. That's, that's it. I'm done. We're, we're, so we'll, we'll, pestilence, again, usually attends with, with, with famine. So I, I'm going to, I only have five minutes, so I'm going to stop here. I'm not going to go any further. We'll, that's, that's, as, that's as far as we're going to go tonight. The first part of this chapter, Jesus is helping us understand something. That even though the last days, saith God, I will pour of my spirit, started in the book of Acts, end times, end times began with Jesus. But there's a progression, a progression through generation where we're going to see, as we look, when we get, what do we get to verse, <laughs> we're supposed to get to verse 31. We got to what verse? Seven, okay, well, okay, so it may take a little longer. As we get through this, we're going to walk through this, and we're going to see what happens to Jerusalem, what happens to the Jews. Jesus pronounces these things. And, you know, I use the word prediction, that Jesus predicted, but Jesus doesn't predict. He, he said it's going to happen. There's no prediction about this. If he said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. That's not a prediction. That's word. That's word. So keep that in mind as we as we study these next few verses. Jesus said it; it's word, so it will happen. Any thoughts or? Everywhere, all over the world. Right. Well, when we get through these verses, you're going to see that there are some keys, if you will, that separates what went on then and what goes on now. There's, again, it goes to what God says that only, only God knows that time. No, no man knows the day or the hour, right? Well, there's a reason God knows that time because that's the point. There's enough. That's the point. This, that, this is over. This is done. Now, at the flood... What was over at the flood? What was done? Yeah, the, everybody except for Noah and his eight. It was done. In Sodom and Gomorrah, what was done? It was over. The, nobody escaped the flood, save God's people. Nobody escaped Sodom, save God. And Jesus is going to refer these. It's very important we understand this.
Right. God's judge. The beautiful thing about the judgment of God, and God, we talked about that last week, last Sunday, is that God's judgment has been pronounced on us if we're Christians at the cross. But there's a world judgment because there, there are signs at the end that, that are global. There are signs at the end that are religious. And there are signs at the end that are strictly Israel. And we're going to talk about those. Jesus references those. But you can't just use Matthew 24. We're going to go outside of Matthew in the next few weeks and go and tie those together. We're going to tie some things Paul said, Peter said, Timothy, or Paul to Timothy, that tie this stuff and make, make us... You know, do we want to understand? And should we be able to understand end times? Yes, absolutely. You know why Jesus said we should? He said, "You guys can look off and you see a cloud and you know the rain's coming. And the closer that clouds get, the closer you know that rain's." He said, "You can figure that out, but you can't look at spiritual things and understand." He said, "What's wrong with you? Because we're supposed to be able to do that." I see you headed in a direction where most Bible scholars err. There are three streams of prophecy in Scripture, the world, the church, and Israel. Mm -hmm. And the key to knowing where you are is Israel. Right. Because Israel is this Jerusalem. It's the center. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's where, we're going to, that's where we're headed. Just the fact of knowing that there were more people that were claiming they were Messiah while Jesus was walking um, really changed the dynamic because you kind of understand, okay, now why some people responded, others didn't. If you have so many other options and then the ones who did respond, they saw or they were touched. Like it's different. Like, you know, growing up when I heard people talk, talk about the Bible and people denying Jesus, it's like, man, how could you deny what you're seeing or what you're hearing about if you were affected? Now you take that same thought process. Well, I heard what Jesus was saying, but I never seen him. But then I saw this guy, I heard this guy, and he was a fake. And that Messiah was a fake. And that person, like you said, there, there were some people who took, you know, people, 30,000 people into the woods, and you never know whatever ha happened to them. So to hear that and see, it also puts into perspective what we're going through now and how you're able to differentiate and decipher and discern what is true and what's not. So who, who's the fake? Yeah, who's there's the fake? truth and there's fake. Exactly. How would you know, how would those people, some of those people might have seen all 27 messiahs in their life there when Jesus was here. So would that not be a little confusing? So how would you figure out who was fake and who was real? It's very simple. Word. If it, if what he says matches word, if where he came from matches word, all of those things. That's the problem today. And Jesus said, be careful that you're not deceived. There are deceivers that want to deceive you with word. They want to use. Didn't the devil say, hath God not said? He used God's word, but. Yeah. yeah. And we don't serve Kool-Aid here. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Jim Jones is a modern day example of a of a false Christ. Jesse.
Yeah. He was there. That word offended, by the way, means confused. It doesn't mean my feelings are hurt. It means the word, the Greek word means confused. Blessed are them who are not confused. Are confusing lots of people. Yeah. But guess what? Whenever I read the Bible, it says God is not the author of confusion. Right. Guess where that came from? Yeah. Don't you think John expected his cousin to come get him? <laughs> get him Don't out of jail. He expected it. <laughs> yeah. He was he was confused about yeah. why he was languishing in prison. He that that's why he began to, you know. I baptized the one. I baptized you. Right. Dude, aren't you going to come get me out of jail? I tell you what, there's going to be a whole lot of people <laughs> that buy into the false one. Because Jesus said, when I come, you rejected me. But when another comes in my name, you're, you're going to receive him. Yeah. It's going to be a wholesale sale job. That's why we need to have God's Word That's it. in our hearts. Yep. And not go running after every wind of doctrine and every preacher that you hear that sounds good, that makes you feel good. That's why this kind of teaching is absolutely essential. Yeah. I built this church on expository preaching, going through the Bible, verse by verse by verse by verse. A text out of context is a pretext. Mm-hmm. And we ain't going there, East Texas. <laughs> we ain't going there. Yes, yes. Anybody else? Okay, thank y'all. We look forward to seeing y'all this weekend. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.